1: Welcome to New Books in Political Science. My name is Heath Brown. Today I'll be talking to James Daly and Ryan Davidson, the authors of The Law of Superheroes. I hope you enjoy this interview. Welcome to New Books in Political Science. I'm here today with James Daly and Ryan Davidson. James and Ryan, how are you two doing today? Uh, Very well, thank you. Uh, Good, good to be here. Great. You guys are in separate places and I am as well. And so, uh I had the good chance to to read this book and and I think it's a really interesting and fun and and I think uh you know, framed in the right way, a very informative book as well. Before we get to the actual book, maybe I could give you each the chance to talk a little bit about your backgrounds. You're both lawyers but have done other things. So, um James, do you want to start with talking just to, real briefly about who you are?
2: Sure. Uh, I'm an attorney licensed in Missouri. I'm also registered to practice before the United States Patent and Trademark Office, which means I can handle things like patent applications. And uh, along with that, I have a technical background in computer science, and so that's that's where I come from, uh, educationally. And I work for the Stanford University-Hoover Institution's Project on Commercializing Innovation, which is kind of a research think tank group, and uh, I focus primarily on intellectual property law, especially patents, as you might might imagine. And then I also represent some clients uh, in, in private practice. Great, great, well, wonderful. And, and Ryan, how about yourself?
0: Right, um, I'm located in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I am licensed to practice in Indiana. Uh, most recently, I... Uh, did a lot of insurance work on the defense side. Uh, currently trying to relocate back towards the East Coast, where uh, my wife and I are both from. So exploring some new options there. Uh, I've also done a stint teaching and uh, worked a number of odd jobs before law school.
1: Wonder- wonderful! It's uh, your your varied backgrounds show up in in how comprehensive this book is. If you you look at these these different chapters, they really touch on so many different things. It's obviously it's not just one legal expertise that's brought to the brought to the book. And so let's talk about the book. Um, you, you write, and I think one of the things the book does so well is is it has this tongue-in-cheek uh quality to it, but but you also clearly take seriously what you're doing. Um so seriously that that you provide a disclaimer at the start of the book that reads Nothing in this book constitutes legal advice or implies the existence of an attorney-client relationship with the authors. If you need legal advice or representation, consult a competent attorney in your jurisdiction. Was this directed at the lay reader or a potential superhero who was facing some sort of legal troubles? In a way, I think it's
2: directed at both because there actually are real, so-called real-life superheroes, uh, including some, some prominent examples like Phoenix Jones in Seattle, who have occasionally run into a, a little bit of uh, trouble with the law themselves. And the last thing we would want is for anybody to think that uh, you know, this, was, this was directed at them as a kind of a how-to guide <laughs> for how to stay on the right side of the law.
1: Yeah, it, it did occur to me this controversy over the last couple of weeks over the, the Reddit website and the anonymity of some of the people who participated in that really did share a lot with this. You can picture them with their with their masks and, and, and the issues that you guys uh, deal with related to privacy it just seemed like it was so similar to that. Have you guys followed this Reddit website uh, issue
0: at all?
2: Um, Is you talking about um, a
0: uh, recent incident where a journalist sort of outed uh, a leading Reddit co- contributor, right? Uh, one
1: who had been sort of somewhat anonymous, but kind of anonymous in that superhero way that some people kind of knew his his identity.
0: Uh, super-villain way, perhaps?
1: <laughs> I, I think depending on where you come down on this, so, uh, he, he certainly does sound villainous in some in some ways. And actually speaking of that, one of the things I wanted to to say is I, I didn't realize that these terms superhero and supervillain are both trademarked. Uh, I always think of this terminology of comic books as so ingrained in the culture. Um, so how was it uh, working with DC Comics and Marvel on gaining... Some access to some of their images and some of the work uh, was that when at what point in the uh, book project did you uh, work with them and and how extensive was the work?
2: Uh, well, we didn't work with them um, the, based on the our publishers' prior experience with the book the Physics of Superheroes," which is a similar kind of concept explaining physics concepts using examples from um, comic books. we didn't feel that it was it was necessary. We think we have a, a perfectly fine fair use claim to the use of these highly excerpted, reduced, uh, single-panel, black-and-white uh, extracts from uh, from comic books uh, for, you know, critical and uh, commentary purposes. And uh, we, we don't think that it you know, impacts the market for the original works. If anything, we, we think that people will be likely to go buy the, the comic books after reading the book rather than reading the book and thinking, oh, well, I clearly don't have to buy the comic book. I've seen that one panel from that book about law, so I'm good. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we're
0: very careful to cite the books that we're getting these pictures from so people can go out and get the current versions of them
1: yeah and, and I could say for the, for anyone purchasing the book, expecting a comic book, this is not a comic book. Um, I think as you guys rightly describe, there's there's some uh, uh, artwork in the book, but but this is pretty uh, prose driven and, and so you do have some things that sort of draw the attention, but but this is really an interpretation of of these things. And, and it's extensive. Um, you, you You divide up uh, your work into thirteen chapters. And into some pretty broad categories. And so in terms of how you wrote this, how did you divvy, divvy this up? Did you write these chapters collaboratively? Did, did each of you take a, the chapters that were more in your, your legal expertise? How did the work uh, actually occur?
2: Well, we started by thinking in terms of how the law is usually divided in terms of law school uh, courses or subjects for the bar exam. the kind of the way lawyers think think about the law. So you have torts, criminal law, but then you also have criminal procedure as a separate part of things. And there's a couple of chapters that deal with not areas of the law, but rather comic book issues like immortality that that impact a really huge range of, of legal issues. And so it didn't make sense to address them piecemeal and said we wanted to have those in a single place. And we started off by... Uh, having each of us write the, the basics of a chapter, the, uh, the broad outline of a chapter, and then we switched back and forth throughout the revision and editing process so that each of us saw each chapter multiple times.
0: And when we pass it to the other person, uh, it was common for the other person to say, oh, we should also talk about X, Y, and Z. So. Mm-hmm. Each of us are responsible for the first pass of about half of the chapters, but we're both pretty heavily involved in the finished product across the board.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so let's let's get to some actual content. Um, I wonder if you would uh, read a little bit from the book just to give a little flavor for the types of issues you analyze and kind of the way way you set this up. Is there a something that sticks out that you might like to to share so that we can uh, get a sense of what is not a traditional political science book, but, but actually does cover some some really interesting dimensions of, of uh, public law.
2: Sure. Uh, I think that one of the areas that we like to, the uh, example that we like to use, because cause people ask about it all the time, is uh, Superman and taxes, uh, particularly with regard to his, his habit of, uh, of crushing... Uh, diamonds or coal into diamonds, I should say, and um, so, and whether or not that is uh, taxable income, and that's a question we get we get a lot. So, and uh, there, the, the federal agency. So it's reading from the book. The federal agency that we all butt into eventually is the IRS. And superheroes aren't immune to the long arm of tax law. For example, in Superman three, Superman crushes coal into a diamond and gives it to Lana Lang. This iconic gift has become closely associated with the Superman character, but because we are attorneys, we have to ask, does someone have to pay tax on that? It might seem strange to think that the IRS would bother trying to come after Superman, but as mentioned earlier in this chapter, it's happened before. And speaking of which, just what about Superman's plan to claim the whole world as his dependent? First, we'll talk about the the diamonds, which are also mentioned by the IRS agent in Superman number 148. There are actually two different questions in this case. One, are the diamonds taxable income for Superman or Clark Kent? And two, are they taxable income for a recipient such as Lana Lang? The answer to the first question is probably not. A traditional, almost fundamental principle of income tax is that a gain in value must be realized before it can be taxed, although the definition of realized has expanded over the years, somewhat eroding the principle. The Internal Revenue Code provides that one example of income is, quote, gains derived from dealings in property. Dealings are not defined in the statute, but 26 U.S.C. section 1001A defines the computation of the gain from the sale or other disposition of property. It seems clear that improving the value of the carbon by turning it from coal to a diamond is not such a taxable event, since there is neither a sale nor a disposition of the property. An analogy might be made to painting a picture or one that appreciates in value. The increase in value is not taxed until the painting is sold or otherwise transferred to someone else. And then we go on to talk about uh, gift tax and, and, and whether or not uh, Lana Lang might be on the on the hook for uh, for tax.
1: Yeah, I think this really does capture some of like the the uh, the, the fun of, of the way you approach this. Um, did this sort of what what came first? I, I, I assume and I sort of gather that you are both longtime comic book readers. Um, Was was your interest in comic book always sort of attached to your larger professional, academic, intellectual interests? Is this is this sort of did this come to you this idea late after law school, or or was this uh, sort of an idea that either one of you had in your head prior to it?
2: Uh, No, this came uh, the came the idea came up uh, about two years after where I graduated law school. Uh, It came in uh, late 2010, and I graduated from law school in 2008. So I guess. Two and a half years, um, and uh, it actually came up through a co- dinner conversation with my between my wife and some friends of ours. And so no, uh, the, the the germ of the idea did not strictly originate with just me, and uh, uh, it, it came up long after I, I had finished law school. So no, so no, this is uh, this is uh, something that is pretty new.
1: Yeah, and and Ryan is is there a um. What was your comic growing up? Is there Was there a, a comic book that that you read religiously?
0: Well, let, let, me, let me quick answer the, the previous question. Yeah, please. Uh, speaking for myself in a way and I think for James as well, uh, even though the specific idea of doing legal analysis of comic books is a relatively new one to both of us, um, I know I've been involved in reading uh, comics and speculative fiction of all sorts for a long time, and sort of lovingly overthinking these things is a long-time pastime. Uh, So when this idea was uh, presented, it was sort of a natural extension and uh, amplification of things that I'd sort of already been doing. In terms of comics specifically, uh, growing up I didn't really read that. I was more just a straight sci-fi type, but starting in college and especially in law school, I started reading a lot more graphic novels and forms of trades mostly.
1: Yeah, and, and in in a lot of this, and it comes up in a number of places in the book, is uh, what one of the uh, the go to superpowers of superheroes, which is mental telepathy. Uh, why does mental Why does mental telepathy come up so often? Why is it worth worrying about in this multiverse that you guys uh, look at?
2: Well, it impacts a lot of areas of the law, uh, both when it's used. By criminals, and when it's used by superheroes, and when it's used by uh, the government or people working with the government, so that brings up constitutional law issues, criminal law issues, tort tort law issues. So a whole a whole range of of things uh, get impacted by it, and it's actually. Uh, it's, an issue that has kind of sort of been addressed by the Supreme Court, believe it or not uh, in a in an early twentieth century case where the Supreme Court was trying to decide whether or not wiretapping was a um, a kind of the kind of search protected by the Fourth Amendment th- there was an early case where the court decided that no, no, it wasn't, and the the the, the police didn't need a warrant in order to uh, wiretap someone, and a dissenting uh, opinion said that you know, where's the limit here, you know, and he says something to the effect of, you know, advances in the psychic sciences may someday allow uh, the police to read people's thoughts, and will we say that even that uh, is, you know, there's no expectation of privacy even there, and uh, so I'm not exactly sure what the justice meant by the psychic sciences, It, it could mean that he he, that he meant, uh, you know, something like what we would call neuroscience today, uh, or it could mean that you know this was the early 20th century. It could mean that he he really thought in the possibility of, of telepathy, um, not in a magical sense, but in a maybe this is something people can do if they think hard enough kind of sense.
1: Yeah, I, I'm reminded of this uh, just recently. There's a report out. It must have been from the Department of Defense, citing a episode of The Simpsons when. There was, a, uh, I guess, some story from Japan about one of their cartoons causing mind control, and it was actually cited in a Department of Defense report about uh, emerging weaponry, and and someone caught it and ended up all over the press. So the, you know, these things, this crossover between our imaginative world and and the world in which we live in, which which kind of raises sort of what, what you guys envision for this book. It's, it's obviously a lot of fun and a lot of fun to read, but what beyond fun do you intend for this? Um, has it been adopted by college courses, or do you, you hope for that? And I, I think I saw that there was some continuing late legal education work that you guys, guys had done
0: connected to this. And so
1: what is your, what's your vision for it?
0: Well, it's, we haven't um, been notified that it's been adopted by any uh, educators yet. The book's only been out for about two or three weeks at this point. Um, It probably isn't uh, of the uh, detail needed for a law school course. It could probably be used productively in sort of an intro or business law course on a college level. Um, But a number of the reviews that we've read so far has said that people actually have learned a lot just sort of as laymen reading about the law. And they're learning things about the legal system and substantive law they didn't know before. And honestly, that's a fantastic result.
2: Mm -hmm. And I will say that the blog, uh, law in the multiverse, has been. We've gotten lots of feedback from law professors and law students. Law students saying that you know occasionally a post has helped them understand something that they hadn't understood before, and then law professors saying that you know they've mentioned it in class or that they thought about um, using some of these kinds of examples in their own curriculum. Uh, so so yeah, we 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 do see that there may occasionally be a, a role for it in legal education. And speaking of continuing legal education, yes, we've, we've given several continuing legal education talks both online and in person for attorneys uh, using these comic book examples to kind of provide a a light or more interesting set of hypotheticals to to talk about some legal principles and give people a a little refresher course. One of our most popular ones is an ethics course where we use examples from superhero attorneys like uh, Daredevil, uh, also Matt Murdock, who's an attorney, uh, She-Hulk, whose real name is Jennifer Walters, uh, and that kind of thing. And uh, that's proven uh, quite popular because partly because sometimes the sorts of situations that they're in create their own ethical issues and sometimes because maybe the writers don't quite get some of the t- details right and it provides us an opportunity to, to talk about perhaps an inadvertent ethical issue.
1: Yeah, now you, you guys have the chance to, to come to New York Comic
2: Con, uh, which is the
1: the mecca, um, maybe not the national mecca, but at least once during the year, the mecca of, of comic books. Uh, what, was your, what was the reception there? Um, did you get a sense of whether you were uh, sort of in the uh, in in keeping with the Comic Con traditions, or had you pushed the the comic book world beyond what what they see as uh, uh, regular fun?
2: Oh no, I, we had a, a great time at Comic Con, and I think we had a great reception. Uh, our our panel talk was uh, filled the uh, the space, and we had just a, a enormous number of really fantastic questions from the audience. But one of the, our favorite things about doing live events is Q and A, and we find that. That people come up with just such great questions, partly because uh, they're just creative and think about different things than we do, and partly because we can't read uh, every comic book that comes out. Uh, and so we get questions from people saying, "You know, oh, what about this? You know, comic book? Have you thought about this issue?" And it's you know, it's a comic book we don't read at all. So it's really fantastic to have those things brought to our attention. And we had more questions than we could answer in the time we had, and you know, it was it was great.
0: We also were able to connect with a number of the creators. Um, including one of the writers Daredevil. And he said he was a big fan, and a number of the other creators have said that they've enjoyed reading the book and look forward to reading the, the, sorry, enjoyed reading the blog, look forward to reading the book. We're actually hoping to sort of uh, collaborate or at least consult with some of them in the future as they continue to write their stories.
1: Yeah, Ryan, I actually was going to follow up on that. And so, as you mentioned, the book is is, uh, very recently out and widely available for anyone who's interested in this. But have you put your head around a, uh, either a follow-up or or another book project? What's what's uh, um, Do you see this as something you're going to continue with? Yeah, obviously continue with the blog. But is there another book in you related to this project?
0: We've uh, discussed several possibilities. Uh, one is a more straight-of educational idea, sort of a know-your-rights type book. Uh, this might be used in uh, a high school or college setting. Uh, there's a number of uh, high schools offering what are called street law courses, which are just intended to give high school students sort of a crash course in interactions with the legal system and how to protect themselves and their rights when they come into contact with the law. Um, and this uh, is the, something this that is
2: the, yeah, go ahead. This is something that we would like to see as, as maybe in comic book form, so working with uh, definitely obviously with an artist but also quite possibly with a comic book writer uh, so that it, it would be more approachable and less you know, less dry uh, than, uh, for junior high or high school students.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would imagine that there would be all sorts of places that would be very receptive to it. I enjoyed it. I could see integrating it into a general education course in any number of, of liberal arts colleges, I could, I could even see it in you know as, a, as an additional or recommended reading in an in a American uh, government class or certainly a public law class at the undergraduate level. It was a, it was a real uh, uh, pleasure to read it. Um, and so James Daly and Ryan Davidson are the authors of the Law of Superheroes, published uh, in 2012 by Gotham Books. James and Ryan, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you.